Hey everybody, on this week's show we're going to be talking about what I'm terming the 10 boat phenomenon going on across the country. A lot of you guys have probably noticed like I have that 10 boats are making a big hit on the national scene in professional fishing as well as your local opens and tournaments. We're going to talk about that and a lot more. I'll give you my take on everything in this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. So we hope you'll join us. Let's go. Hey everybody, what's going on this week? Hope everybody is having a great evening. My name is Jacob Robery, your host here for Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast. And as always, folks, want to welcome you all to the show. A lot of you tune in on a weekly basis, so we like to have you back and thank you for coming back. And a lot of you may have stumbled upon the podcast for the first time, so we just want to welcome you and tell you thank you for tuning in with us. Chances are you enjoy the outdoors as much as we do, and we enjoy having you with us. So hopefully you'll enjoy this week's show. But guys, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. As you know, we've been talking fishing ever since hunting season ended here in Louisiana. That's what most of us outdoorsmen do. Um, Once the hunting blues set in, we kind of shift gears and we look for other activities to do in the outdoors. It's no different for us here at Last Stop Waterfowl. We're always looking to uh, get out on the water or get out in the woods, maybe take a camping trip, do something in the outdoors, and I'm sure a lot of you are the same way. You know, we got a lot of rain here this week, guys. Um, That seems to be the forecast for most of the week. We have got a lot of rain here in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, we always talk about this. We always joke about it. But it seems like nowadays it's either one extreme or the other. You either have absolute beautiful weather, sunshine, or it's, you know, severe weather. And it seems like every time we get these, these uh, you know, rain in the forecast nowadays, it seems to be extreme weather, which is what we experienced here this week. We got a lot of rainfall. The fishing is going to be really tough over the next week or so, probably until a lot of that rain and fresh water kind of clears out our rivers, out our bayous, and kind of normalizes or stabilizes and gets everything back to normal. So, you know, we did make a a fishing trip this past weekend. We talked to you guys. Every time we make a fishing trip, we try to bring you um, a report on that. And if you tuned in to our YouTube channel, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel for the notifications, you probably already got a jump on the video that we did, the report um, of the trip that we took out to Rudock or Manchac, Louisiana. Did some fishing with the kids. This past Sunday, um, it was beautiful weather on Sunday before all this bad weather moved in this week. And we went out to Manchac, Louisiana. We did a little bit of perch fishing. We stopped, bought our uh, first bucket of crickets for for the summertime. Went out and tried to do some brim fishing. Ended up catching a a mess of brim this past weekend. And came back and we decided we were going to stock our pond here in uh, in the neighborhood here at home. So we, uh, we did our good deed for the weekend, caught a good bunch of brim, um, nothing big, a lot of small, you know, brim that were there. They weren't bedding up quite yet, uh, but still had some fun, got the kids some action. We got some action on the crickets. Um, you know, uh, after this water all stabilizes and everything, you should be able to go out to that area, catch some brim. Um, I know they had a, a high school bass tournament that was being held out of Manchac, on the same day and it looks like the weights were really good in that area so um, I don't exactly know what the boundaries were but if I'm not mistaken I want to say 18 pounds plus won that tournament 
for the high school tournament that was going on out of there. And uh, we saw quite a bit of high school anglers on the water while we were brim fishing on Sunday. So that's always good to see a lot of young men and women out there competing that are in the sport of bass fishing right now. Um, that high school circuit has really grown, um, as has the college scene. You know, we talked about that on a couple of episodes ago, how that has, you know, expanded quite a bit. Um, I had some of my friends, you know, that were original collegiate fishermen that when it was getting real big, had kind of started up the team here at LSU, Baton Rouge. And uh, it's only grown since since then. So it's great to see it where it's at now. But um, but this week's show, guys, what I really want to touch on is something that has caught my attention. And I'm sure a lot of you have probably noticed it over the last uh, year. I'd say the last year. That's safe to say. And it's actually been going on for a couple of years now. But I'm going to throw a statistic at you from the national fishing scene, from the professional fishing uh, scene. And those of you who tune in on a weekly basis, you know we talked about Bassmaster, you know, the Bassmaster Elite Series, and then also the MLF, you know, the uh, circuit that they got going. And something that has really caught my attention that I'm not sure if you guys have noticed, and I'm, I'm sure those of you who follow it closely have, is the amount of winners, specifically in this instance, on the Bassmaster Elite Series that have won tournaments out of fishing aluminum boats which is not the norm for many, many years now. So, so far this year, if you're not familiar with it, the Bassmaster Elite Series has had four events. They're just coming off of an event that was held here in Orange, Texas. Uh, basically, it's the border of Louisiana, Beaumont, and Louisiana, Beaumont, Texas, Louisiana, Orange, Texas, all those areas. Um, a lot of the waters that they fished, um, you know, come into Louisiana as well as can go all the way almost to Houston uh, that the guys were fishing. But they just finished up that event. It was the fourth event of the season. And out of four events that have been held this year on the Bassmaster Elite Series, something that was absolutely staggering to me when I looked at it is that three of the winners of, of the four events have won the Bassmaster Elite Tournament and taken home the crown out of aluminum fishing boats, guys. So those of you who have followed it for years, like we have, you know that that has not been you know, the norm. Aluminum fishing boats on the professional circuit have not been something that has been a key factor um, over the years. And when I say that, um, you know, a lot of the guys that have fished professionally that we grew up, you know, following, your Gerald Swindles, your Kevin Van Dams, your, your Greg Hackney's, um, you know, all, all the guys that I know personally here in Louisiana, my buddy Cliff Crochet, um, you know, now you look at guys that we've talked about in previous episodes, Caleb Summerall, um, you know, guys like that have, you know, traditionally all came up fishing, you know, fiberglass bass boats, whether it was your big brands such as Ranger, Trident, so on and so forth, you know, Skeeter, all the major brands. Well, you fast forward to this year. And like I mentioned, three out of the four winners have won their tournaments and come out of aluminum bass boats, um, which is something that raises a question. You know, is this the 10-boat phenomenon that is occurring now in the industry? Because we're going to talk about the professional side and how it's affected the professional side, 
But this has been going on on the amateur side for many, many years. And, uh, you know, tournaments, big tournaments such as the Bassmaster Opens, stuff like that, you'll see guys that have been fishing 10 boats. And there's a lot of reasons why guys are kind of making that switch from, you know, the traditional fiberglass brands over to some of your aluminum brands that you're seeing now in the winter circle in these tournaments. And we're going to talk about that. Um, I'll kind of give you my take on it. And, uh, and kind of tell you why I feel it's it's turning for, uh, um, you know, towards the aluminum side of things in the industry. You know, the old 10 rig is a stereotype that has been given for many, many years to, you know, John boats, aluminum boats that, you know, have people fish out of. And we all have heard that term 10 rig, you know. But I have to say it's it's been a stereotype for the most part, but it's even more of a stereotype now. Because these boats now, guys, aren't your traditional John boats that we grew up in. Um, you know, we just did an episode, uh, the last episode, if you tune in to our podcast, uh, we talked a lot about how we've been enjoying the John boat. Uh, me and Jackson's been doing quite a bit of fishing out of his John boat that he has. But when I say 10, 10 rig, I'm not comparing what these guys are fishing in uh, from a professional standpoint to what we are fishing out of in a John boat. Um, you know, aluminum offerings in today's market include boats that are up to 21 feet. They have big horsepower. So it's a completely different market than it was years ago. What I like to term is the OG of the, of the aluminum generation. Um, you, you've heard the term, you know, in the brand name Bass Tracker. You know, Johnny Morris was the one who pioneered the whole aluminum bass package deal where he wanted to put years ago um, you know, packages together that in, incorporated a boat motor trailer package. Um, before the, he did that, there was really nobody that was doing that. If you wanted to purchase a package, you know, or a, a boat, you went out, you bought the aluminum boat, you bought the motor from whoever you, you know, whatever brand motor or dealership you, that sold that motor, and then you had to find a trailer for it. There was nobody that was making a all-in-one package type deal until Johnny Morris came along with the Bash Tracker lineup in 1978. And I, when I saw that, you know, I said 1978. I'm, I was born in '79. I'm 41 years old, so that was done 42 years ago when Johnny Morris started putting the the OG, like I call it, the original um, Bash Tracker out, and you know, started pioneering kind of the all-inclusive bass fishing package for um, you know outdoorsmen to go ahead and purchase. Um, so it's been quite a while that it's been going on that aluminum rigs have been in the market. Um, and over the years, you know, that's what the majority of the blue collar average working man um, has used, you know, to do most of his fishing. Now, where the older models fell short of the fiberglass was originally it was performance. You know, from a performance standpoint, they had flat bottoms, there was no such thing as pads being built on these aluminum hulls, which, you know, when there's no pad, it equals no lift of the boat. There was no bite. So those of you who have had the old school aluminum boats, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you'd go to make a turn and that, that boat would slide out on you. You know, it wasn't like it is now with some of these high performance bass boats, which we're going to talk about this week in the show. Um, where they would bite like a fiberglass boat. They would kind of hold that turn real tight. 
Um, it was just, it was a different experience when you fished in an aluminum boat compared to a fiberglass boat. Um, you know, so there was a lot of things that separated aluminum from fiberglass. Um, you know, like I mentioned, no pad. That was, a, that was something, you know. Nowadays, you see aluminum boats in the market that are built on pads. And when, for those of you who don't know what a pad is, it's basically, it's the design and bot of the bottom of the hull that allows that aluminum hull to lift just like you see all of your fiberglass brands and fiberglass boats use on their designs nowadays. So, you know, back then, the original ones, the old bash trackers, you didn't see that type of stuff. Um, and then a new trend came along when Tracker introduced the Protein 175 TXW. You know, that's still a model that is in the market today. The Protein 175 TXW is, um, is a boat that I sell personally in my dealership. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the Protein 175 TXW um, is the number one selling bass boat, aluminum bass boat in the U.S. for the last 15 years running. So I'm still surprised that when people come in and they are attracted to that boat, they don't they don't have any clue that that's the number one boat in the market uh, for many, many years now. And when Tracker came out, Bass Tracker came out with the Protein line, it was one of the first high-performance aluminum hulls before anybody else was really doing it at the time. So once again, Johnny Morris and, and the Bass Tracker or Tracker Marine was one of the original pioneers of kind of taking the traditional flat boat, you know, and kind of going and improving on that and making a hull out of aluminum that could compete somewhat better with the fiberglass boats that were out on the market um, as compared to the traditional flat boats. So it, it offered better lift, better performance. And even though it, it wasn't the boat that, you know, many of the high-end aluminum boats are to not, are today, that you see um, guys like Bill Lowen fishing that just won on Pickwick. We talked about Bill Lowen. Um, just this past week on Sabine on the Sabine River, um, Jason Christie took home the trophy on the Sabine event out of an aluminum boat. Um, you know, he, he was fishing out of an Express. Um, and I have to say, Express has got some really great exposure lately. Um, you know, and that's kind of what caught my attention. The last two events uh, being on Pickwick in Florence, Alabama, Bill Lowen winning out of an Express high performance hall, which was an X-21 model. Um, and then now Jason Christie winning this past weekend on the Sabine River out of an X-21 um, Express also. That's what really kind of sparked my interest, got my attention. And then I started looking into it, uh, you know, the other events that had already occurred. And you had in the first event, you know, you had a fiberglass winner that was won on the St. John's River in Florida. You had Brian New, um, who's a Ranger Pro. So that first event was one out of a fiberglass hull. But then fast forward to the second event, um, you know, you had the elite event at, on the Tennessee River out of Knoxville, Tennessee. And you had a, a gentleman by the name of Jeff Gustaf, guess, or Gustafson. I'm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But uh, he took home the trophy in the first place spot in that elite event out of a uh, aluminum boat. So he was the first aluminum winner this year on a major circuit. Um, and he was fishing out of a Lund aluminum boat. So, you know, Lund, that's another brand in the market that's been around for many, many years. Um, if you guys go check out Jeff Gustafson's boat that he won that elite event out of, um, a lot of guys down, especially down south, are going to look at it and say, man, you know, 
that's a deep V design. It's got a, you know, those of you who are familiar with Lund boats or you've seen them before, I've always grew up knowing Lund boats like, you know, watching Al Linder and guys like that on, on those fishing networks, watching fishing shows growing up. Um, they were always, seems like they were fishing for pike and musky and all that type of stuff up north. I always thought of Lund as a northern, you know, model boat, deep V, deeper water. Um, but, you know, you have an event right here on the Tennessee River um, that Jeff Gustafson won on the Elite Series fishing out of a Lund boat the first or the second event of the season for the Bassmaster Elite Series. And, uh, hell, I mean, he's doing river fishing out of it and, and took home the trophy. So, you know, you get guys like that that are fishing these aluminum rigs that are coming out of traditional fiberglass rigs, and they're going to the top of the winter circle um, and they're doing it for different reasons, you know, so there's a lot of reasons behind it. And we're going to talk about a little bit of that stuff. But, you know, going back to kind of where it came from with the bass tracker trend, um, kind of setting the trend, I should say, for developing and designing a, a better performing aluminum hull, uh, kind of taking some of the technology that was available at the time and putting it into an aluminum hull and making something that was more fishable. Um, it was more comfortable to fish for anglers and started offering amenities that were in, you know, your traditional fiberglass bass boats. And when I talk about amenities, I mean, you know, stuff like your storage compartments, aerated live wells, true aerated live wells that were insulated, not just a metal box that, you know, you threw your, your, your fish in there and by the end of the day, they were all dead because they couldn't keep them alive. So, you know, Bass Tracker started putting, you know, aerated live wells that were on timers, stuff like that. Just, you know, much better technology, better way to take care of the fish, stuff that a guy, a local, you know, guy like myself could fish a local tournament and, you know, keep those fish alive and get them to the weigh-in that afternoon and be able to release them back safely. So there was a lot of stuff like that that was being put into those, the, you know, the new designs of the aluminum boats that had never been seen before. And then you started to see other companies kind of start piggybacking off of, you know, trackers designs. And all these other companies started developing, you know, their versions of aluminum boats. And, you know, there's a million different companies that we could talk about out there. But in this particular podcast episode, we're going to kind of focus on some of the bigger names in the industry. So, all well, all, once they went to an all welded design, which is something I want to I want to mention that I, I did kind of fast forward past, is that you know traditionally before Tracker had the Protein One Seventy Five design and uh, their all welded boat designs, you know the original Bass Trackers they were riveted at the, at, in the old days. So when you look back in the seventies and the early eighties. Um, you know, especially those package deals that we talked about that they were starting to sell and put together and sell to fishermen. Um, a lot of those original bass trackers were riveted. And if any of you have had a riveted boat before in an aluminum hull versus a welded hull, you know that 100% the weakest link in a riveted hull is the rivets themselves. And, you know, it's just something that could over time from vibration, from beating that, you know, the rough water, um, you know, banging it up against trees, especially down here in the South Cypress trees, um, you know, stumps, all that type of stuff. And just trailering, just trailering on our, on our highways. You know, Louisiana is famous. We always joke all of us here from Louisiana about how bad our roads are. So if you have a riveted boat, the life of that riveted boat on a Louisiana highway is probably a little bit shorter 
than it is on some of the other states when they have better roads to travel on. Um, but my point is, is that riveted hulls, they basically could rattle loose over time. They could start to leak. Then you're trying to find which ones are leaking. So when they came along with the all welded hull and the pro team series and the pro series from Bass Tracker and other brands, it totally changed the game. It made the hull much more durable. It, uh, you know, you didn't have to worry about water seeping in through leaky rivets, all that type of stuff. And it just, it just put the hull together a lot more solid than it ever had been built before. So that's something that's important to mention, you know, as we talk about kind of the evolution of how we got to where we are today with the aluminum hull and why these guys are starting to transition into the aluminum side. So, you know, as, as the designs got better, um, you know, you started seeing with an all welded design, that was, that was the first and foremost thing that improved the hulls. Um, they started offering better performance out of them, um, and they were priced affordable. So that was something that was compared to fiberglass. You could get an all welded hull that had better quality to it. It was being built better than it was before. And, you know, it was much more affordable for the average angler or tournament fishermen to be able to go out and purchase it as compared to a fiberglass hull. So then, you know, we talk about, I did, I mentioned, you know, Bass Tracker kind of being the pioneer, one of the first ones to start on the aluminum side, pushing the aluminum packages. But as the all wells started coming out and that became the newest technology, then you really started seeing companies like Aluma Weld, who is nowadays known, better known as Express Boats, um, and Trident aluminum at the time. A lot of people still to this day don't know that Trident made aluminum hulls for many, many years um, before the, 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 the modern day ones, I'll say that. Um, so, you know, you started seeing companies like Express and Trident Aluminum enter what I, I term as, you know, the performance market early on. They were two of the first companies that were really looking at taking an aluminum hull and making it a better performing hull overall, besides Bass Tracker that was doing it at the time as well. So, you know, you were starting to see some vast improvements in the market. Um, and we're going to fast forward kind of to where, you know, a lot of the other major companies who weren't necessarily producing a, uh, you know, an aluminum hull uh, started coming back into the market. And I'm talking about big names in the industry. So I'm going to take a break here, folks, and I'll kind of tell you guys what, where we're heading with this um, as far as that goes on the next segment. So stay tuned to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. I'm your host, Jacob Robery, and as always, just want to thank you for staying with us through the break and tuning in to this week's episode. If you missed the first couple of segments, we're talking about the, uh, the evolution of the aluminum bass boat, guys, and where it's at right now in the industry, because right now you are seeing a major push on the professional circuit of new winners coming to the winner circle, whether it's the Bassmaster Elite Series or other major circuits out there in the industry right now, you're starting to see a lot more guys fishing and winning tournaments out of aluminum boats. And before we went to break, I was kind of giving you a history lesson on where we kind of, you know, started out in the aluminum industry versus where we're headed to nowadays. And these guys, these big time professionals making the switch 
from traditional fiberglass over to aluminum. So, you know, we were talking about how companies such as Bass Tracker, which was the, the OG or the original, you know, aluminum bass boat package dealer was putting packages together. And then over time, you started seeing enhancements in the industry, uh, going from riveted boats that, you know, lacked a lot of performance and storage and, you know, live well capabilities, that type of stuff, um, or I should just say features, you know. Um, and then you started seeing a transition towards better built all welded hulls, um, you know, and, you know, a lot more amenities in them, such as your storage and all that type of stuff that we talked about. So, you know, there was a lot of companies that had dabbled, for those of you who don't know, in the aluminum industry at some point throughout their history. Um, you know, one that's an example that comes to mind immediately is Ranger Boats. Most of us who are fishermen have heard about Ranger Boats. You know Ranger Boats brand name very well. Um, and a lot of people that follow and have heard of Ranger Boats are shocked even to this day to realize and to learn that Ranger Boats back in the, I'd say, mid-90s to late-90s um, had started offering an aluminum line of Ranger. Um, and still to this day, you see them on the market. I'll see them on Facebook Marketplace. Um, at the time, they were called the Ranger Cherokee. And some of you listening to the show may have even purchased or had a, a Ranger Cherokee. And, uh, and really, they were, they were very well-built aluminum hulls that Ranger was producing right there in Flippin', Arkansas, where they were building their, their fiberglass boats that they were known for. Um, and Forrest Wood and his family decided that there was a, uh, a market, I guess, for them to start producing aluminum boats, something that, uh, you know, was a, a little bit more affordable um, and that the average working man could you know, afford to go out and purchase and didn't have to baby and uh, and maintain it quite as much as you did on a fiberglass hull. So, um, you know, with the old two strokes that we were looking back back in that time, you know, your EFIs, um, they were they were in full swing that pretty much or, you know, right around that time frame, the late 90s, you had the Mercury EFIs, um, you had Evan Roos uh, producing the, the old Fick motors that a lot of people love to hate. Um, you had Yamaha doing the two strokes, but it was definitely not a four stroke market, you know, back in that time. So, you know, you had, you had big motors that were, you know, gas guzzlers, um, burn a lot of fuel. And, you know, I guess Rangers saw an opportunity to, to, to hop into the aluminum boat market. Um, you could go with a smaller horsepower, you know, it was easier to tow. Um, just offered a lot of advantages that the average working man could use that boat and, and, and not cost an arm and a leg to operate. So Ranger was making the Cherokee line for, for many years. They had hopped in the market with Bass Tracker. Um, you also had Triton boats that started making aluminum boats around that time frame. I believe at the time the original aluminum Tritons were being made in, uh, in Alabama. Um, so that they, you know, over the years they've moved around and now they're owned by White River Marine, which also owns Ranger as well as, uh, other brands such as Nitro and many other brands. But at the time they had got, they were getting into the early stages of making an aluminum boat to, uh, to go along with their fiberglass line that they were, you know, well known for and really made a good, good aluminum boat, you know, that was, that was available to anglers out there. So, 
you know, after a couple of years, I guess, you know, they, they decided that they wanted to put most of their time and resources and research and development into what they knew best, which they felt was fiberglass. They had been doing it for years. They were some of the original Earl Benz when he started Triton, was one of the original pioneers of the fiberglass high-performance hulls. Um, you know, Forrest Wood had been doing it for many, many years. Um, so I guess those companies felt that there was a, uh, a need to kind of refocus on what they did best, which they felt was fiberglass. And they decided to pull out of the aluminum market, specifically Ranger, pulled out of the uh, aluminum market and they discontinued the Cherokee model, which had been out for several years. Like I mentioned, you know, that Cherokee model, you'll still see them come up on, on the used market, um, whether it's Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, any of your classifieds. And I, honestly, I have really always wanted one of those 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 range of Cherokees uh, because they were just they were nice setups. And you know, down here for Louisiana, it's a perfect setup for somebody to you know snatch up on the used market, very very affordable uh, boat package that you could get. And with Ranger's quality, even though it's a it's a older generation boat built in the mid '90s, late '90s. Um, you still see those Cherokee aluminums come up now and then that are in really, really good shape. The seats are all original. Um, you know, the carpet's still in good shape and the hulls are, are just in excellent shape. So if you, you know, ever have the opportunity in the used market and you have the, you know, the opportunity to snatch up a Ranger Cherokee, do not let the, uh, the age of the boat fool you. Don't let it scare you away from a purchase. Same with Trident, the original Trident aluminums that you saw in the 90s. Um, I think Trident continued to make them into the early 2000s. Those boats were some of the best aluminum hulls for high-performance all-welded hull um, that were out on the market, you know. And Trident was one of the first ones with Express, I would say, or back then it was Alumawell Express, um, that started putting big horsepower onto aluminum hulls, you know. Because if you look at the market nowadays, there are a ton of options in the in the 17 to 18 foot range. And there have been since the original bass trackers were being built. We talked about all the way back to 1978 when tracker was formed and started. Um, so that's always been the key corner of the market for aluminum, 16, 17, 18 foot. Um, you know, but... Triton was one of the first companies, like I said, them and, and Alumawell Express, uh, to start offering all-welded hulls that were more high-performance, better-performing, and you were able to put bigger horsepower on them. So which, which one, of, you know, there's not many anglers that I know out there that, would, that don't want to go faster, don't want to get to their fishing spots quicker, and speed is a drug that can be very, very addictive. For most of us in the outdoors that love to fish, most of you would probably agree with that. So, you know, those two companies, I have to say they did it, you know, Ranger, Trident um, did it really well when it came to, you know, building a good haul. Um, Aluma Well and Express was starting to, starting to really get kicked off at that time frame as well. Um, and they were doing their thing. They were evolving. They were growing. Um, and then you had good old Bass Tracker who was out there doing their thing and improving their holes as well. So, you know, companies like that I talked about, like Ranger and Trident that, you know, had got out of the industry because they wanted to focus on what they were doing uh, or what they did best, in their opinion, making fiberglass holes. 
Um, you, you know, in 2013, we started having Ranger and Trident get back into the game of aluminum hulls again. And at the time, I was I was selling boats, you know, for Cabela's here in Gonzales, Louisiana. Whenever we had caught wind in two, I think it was right around 2000, maybe 2012, right around that time frame, we had caught wind, and there was rumors that Ranger was gonna uh, start offering an aluminum line again, as well as Triton boats was gonna start offering an aluminum line again. And actually, Triton took the first step. They they started building an aluminum again a little bit earlier than 2012. I know that. Um, so both of the both of the companies around 2013 were under the same umbrella as far as ownership goes, um, and they started producing. Trident had had some good luck with their aluminum hulls. They had had some some you know um, good sales in the market as far as aluminum was going. So what Ranger decided to do was basically take that Trident hull and kind of improve on it in their own Ranger way. I guess you could say it was. So that's when the RT series from Ranger came out. Those of you now who who fish uh, in the modern day times and have have more of a, a modern boat out there, you've all seen Ranger uh, RT series, whether it's the 178 or the 188, or now they even have the 198 out there. Um, so they started coming along with the RT series, and what they did was actually change a couple of features up uh, in their designs. They started foam injecting the aluminum hull. Um, and they were looking at ways to kind of take that aluminum hull from the all-weld uh, or an all-welded hull and kind of, hey, how can we improve on that, you know? So they started looking at ways to improve it. Express was doing their thing over the years, which the Express had came out with the Hyperlift hull, um, which was, you know, a game changer in the industry because what the Hyperlift hull gave you was a padded aluminum hull that performed much like a bass boat, like a fiberglass bass boat. So, you know, they really cut their teeth and, and sold a lot of boats based off of that advertising for the Hyperlift hull that they had designed. Um, so Express was kind of, was the was number one in the market besides Bass Tracker and aluminum sales. Uh, and they were offering bigger horsepower, a better performing hull. So they were gaining quite a bit of market share, quite a bit of customers were turned on to Express. And then Ranger, like I said, and Trident decided to get back into it. And, you know, companies like Ranger said, how can we approve upon what Bass Tracker's done? What we did originally when we offered the Cherokee line um, and also, you know, improve upon what they were seeing from other companies out in the market. Because you had a lot of companies coming into play right around this time frame. You know, G3, which is owned by, um, you know, the same company that owns Yamaha and owns Skeeter Bass Boats. Um, you were seeing G3 start to make a push to improve their aluminum boats. Um, you had companies like Lowe, um, like Crestliner that were owned by Brunswick, which Brunswick owns Mercury Marine here in the United States. You started seeing companies, everybody started producing aluminum boats and they were looking for ways to improve them. But where Ranger separated its, itself from the other competition is when they decided to take that tradition of foam injecting a fiberglass hull, which gave Ranger the stability, the fishability. Um, you know, the stableness on the water, the comfort on the water for anglers. They took that technology and decided to incorporate it into their aluminum RT series in 2013. And they were the only company and still are one of the only companies to this day that actually offer a truly foam injected aluminum hull. So you may say to yourself, well, what do you mean by a truly, uh, you know, foam injected hull? Because 
Express is foam injected or, you know, Crestliner is foam injected. Well, the difference is, is that a lot of these companies, they, in order to be Coast Guard legal, they have to have X amount of flotation in that boat for safety purposes to pass inspection and be able to be sold on a national level. So they do have to have foam and most of them will have foam in the front of the boat. They'll have foam in the rear of the boat. But what I mean by a truly foam-injected hull is that, for instance, Ranger or the Trident aluminums that are out there on the market right now, if you were to cut a hole directly through the sidewall of that boat, they will have an inch and a half to two inches of foam throughout those walls, um, which give that series of boat a phenomenal rod. Um, so people started noticing very quickly that, hey, um, these Ranger and these Trident aluminum hulls, Man, they all for an aluminum boat. They offer in a very, very stable fishing platform on the water. Um, they, I mean, they, they just you come through a chop and they handle really well. Um, it was just different. They didn't have any kind of lean because those of you who have fished out of an aluminum boat, which most of us have, you know that if you move around an aluminum boat traditionally, it's going to kind of rock on you. It's going to lean to one side. Um, some of the models out there, like the Bass Trackers, they they have a natural lean to the rear. Um, Express is another great example of that. They have a little lean to the rear, you know, so that they, they started noticing that this foam injected hull made a big difference. So my point is, is that all these companies out there that were starting to get back into the game or had been in the game making aluminum for years, were looking for ways to kind of top each other. They were looking for, you know, ways to improve the fishability and the handling of the boats whether it was a pad from Express, it was a foam-injected hull from Ranger or Trident, uh, no matter what it was, they were looking for ways to kind of get the edge on other companies. So, you know, consumers were looking for, uh, one of the biggest things I guess I could say is that when those boats came out, you know, we often got asked, they said, hey, you know, um, at the time, the, the biggest boats that Ranger and Trident and them were making um, when they came back into the market was a 17 and an 18 foot. So basically, if you went with a 17 foot, you it was rated for a 75 horsepower. If you went with the 18 foot, the RT-188, it was rated for a 115. That was the max horsepower rating. So what we started having customers ask is like, man, you know, I wish I could put a, a 150 on my RT-188. Or, hey, I know this boat can handle it. Why can't you put bigger horsepower? So... A lot of that, of, of these companies refusing to put bigger horsepower on these boats for whatever reason, whether it was G3, um, Low was another brand that we sold. They weren't putting big horsepower on them. Uh, the max you could get was a 115 on a bigger boat that they had. Um, a lot of these companies felt like a 115 was kind of that threshold of where they needed to be for an aluminum boat to keep it, I guess, within the safety specs and the specs of performance that they wanted to see their boats perform at. So, um, but like I mentioned, you know, as anglers, we've always been obsessed with speed. The more speed, the faster we can get to a fishing hole, the more attractive it is to fishermen. So companies like Express um, started hearing all these, these requests for more horsepower, more horsepower, faster, I wanna go faster, Man, I wish I could get an aluminum hull for the durability, but I wish I could go faster and get there faster. So, you know, consumers were looking for bigger horsepower, and I have to say that Express answered that niche in the market for consumers. You started seeing Express boats get a little bit bigger. 
They started going to a 19, a 20, and I think even a 21 that you see now, which is a boat, the X-21 that I mentioned recently that Bill Lowen and Jason Christie won the Bassmaster Elite Series tournaments that they fished out of. So they were kind of that first one to hit that 21-foot mark in an aluminum bass boat that you could get big horsepower um, you know, and, and high performance out of as far as handling and everything went. So Express was, was the one who was kind of listening at that time, and they were the first to beat everybody to the market on that from, you know, from what all the brands that I've ever, you know, been and experienced, uh, had experiences with. So you started, you started seeing a big push. Once again, Express started taking some of that, that market share back from those, those companies that were in the market uh, and that had came back into the market and were starting to take some sales away uh, by, you know, going bigger, going more horsepower. So, you know, now as we fast forward to today, and which is the whole point of this episode is while it sparked my interest to talk about it, is that you got these pros now who are, are willing to give up their, you know, their fiberglass lines um, and move into an aluminum boat. So, you know, you automatically think to yourself, okay, well, a guy who does it professionally, you know, what's his reasoning behind it? He's, he's obviously got to make a big decision, which is, 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 in my opinion, a life-changing decision uh, for his career or a career decision um, in order to, you know, he has to feel that it could benefit him or it could offer benefits to him as an angler in order to make that switch. Because let's be honest, right now, you know, these guys on, on the pro circuit that are fishing aluminum boats, they are the, um, um, and I'm going blank on the word, but they are the minority. I'm sorry. Uh, that's the word I was trying to think of. So they are the minority, you know, because the, the circuits are predominantly run by professionals that are, are fishing out of fiberglass holes like your traditional tribes, rangers, phoenixes, whatever it may be. But as a, as a boat salesman being in the marine industry, I can tell you that I've noticed that the, the, the change over the last several years, I'd say probably the last three years in particular, that we have seen a, a major push for not only the boat manufacturers to produce better aluminum boats to compete with the fiberglass lines, but also, um, you know, we've noticed it on the consumer side because they're noticing the changes and the improvements that have been made. And we have customers that have come out, been lifelong customers of fiberglass brands, you know, national brands that are now coming into the stores and they're asking questions uh, of the aluminum lines that are out there on the market now. They're looking at, um, you know, the, these boats for all kinds of different reasons. So my question is always is, what are the benefits of not only the professional guys coming out of fiberglass into aluminum, but what is the benefits for the average working man like myself or like you guys listening to the show this week, you know? So let's go over a couple of those, you know, and this is a lot of this is a culmination of answers from some of the professionals that I've seen out there when they're asking about their aluminum boats, because these guys are starting to get a lot of attention, you know, when they're coming out of a fiberglass, you know, brand into a, an aluminum boat. You hear a lot of questions. There's a lot of people that want to know why they're making that switch. And a lot of a lot of the, the, the same points keep being brought up by the anglers as well as customers that I deal with in dealerships, in the dealership, you know. So 
the no, one of the most common things that you hear people talking about the benefits is speed. You know, we talked about speed. Express was that company who's noticed that there was a niche for speed. Um, they wanted to improve on that, offer bigger horsepowers. So speed, you know, combined with shallow water draft and durability are attractive to buyers. That's that's a couple of the key points that we hear customers ask us about when they're looking at coming out of fiberglass into aluminum. And that's also in correlation to some of the answers I've heard a lot of the pros respond with, you know, you talking about shallow draft, you know, shallow draft is something you used to really never hear the bass fishermen talk about a whole lot. You know, draft is always something that as when I deal with a saltwater customer, whether he wants to, you know, somebody that wants to get into the backwaters or fish the marsh, um, draft has always been a major term and, and one of the most commonly asked questions I get as a boat salesman in the saltwater market in, in my, when I'm talking to a saltwater potential customer, uh, because they want to know, Hey, can this boat get shallow enough for me to get into a back pond or something like that? But on the freshwater side, it's not something that was always a, a question that was brought up. If you look at advertising from a from a um, you know online advertising or online uh, information the websites, oftentimes you look at saltwater boats and it's going to list draft as a spec all the time. You switch it over to the freshwater side and you used to not ever see draft listed what the draft of that particular model was up until the last several years. It has become vitally important to people who are looking to get into an aluminum hull. If they're going to give up the ride of a fiberglass hull or what they consider, you know, giving up the ride, uh, because let's be honest, you know, fiberglass is the king when it comes to ride. Even though the aluminums have improved over the years, it's become much, much better of a ride uh, and even comfortable of a comfortable ride. It's not ever going to be what glass is, in my opinion, you know, so if they're going to be able to give up a little bit of that comfort, you know, on the rod, they want to be able to gain advantages of an aluminum hull in other areas. So draft has become something that is important. And how shallow can that boat get? Well, the advantage to aluminum with it being lighter, you know, it's able to get much shallower typically than a heavier fiberglass hull. So you combine speed with a shallow draft, being able to get into shallow water, and then on top of that, you always have heard people talk about durability. Durability in an aluminum hull is something that's a comfort food, almost like a comfort food for an outdoorsman that's looking to purchase a boat. You know, aluminum is, a lot of people still think, you know, that don't have a lot of experience in fiberglass boats that, oh, I've always been interested in buying a fiberglass boat. But I've always stuck with aluminum because I heard fiberglass is so so brittle and and, and fiber and aluminum is not brittle, you know. And that that can be true in some cases, but a lot of times it can be a big misconception as well. Fiberglass is not as brittle as some people think it is, you know. Even though it could take a beating, it could take a pounding. Metal is always going to be stronger in most cases. It's going to be more durable. It's going to be you know maintenance free for the most part, you know, compared to fiberglass. So when you have that combination of, you know, speed coming into play now where these aluminum hulls are being able to put big horsepower and get the speed of what, the you know, the fiberglass hulls can get combined with the shallow water capability and the durability, it is, it is really attractive to buyers. And that's why buyers are coming in now 
looking at aluminum holes and, and, and possibly looking at trading in their fiberglass holes uh, to go aluminum. And that's why you see a lot of the pros talking about it. A lot of the guys have feel like they could get an advantage with an aluminum hole, especially in these big tournament series like your MLF, your, your Bassmaster Elite Series, the Opens, all these big tournament circuits. If, if an angler could, you know, get to these backwater areas or to these fish that they feel are less pressured and don't see a crankbait or a spinnerbait or, or a soft plastic hitting them in the head, every tree that they, they hang to that's, uh, you know, eligible for every angler to cast to, then they feel that they have an advantage. And you have seen the results from that. They, these guys that are getting in the areas that are tough to get for fiberglass boats, these are the guys that are shooting up the leaderboards a lot of times in, in the last year or so, and they're winning these tournaments, guys, because they feel that they have an advantage and they could get to fish that are less pressured. They feel that they could get to those hard-to-get-to spots, and that is going to eliminate half of the competition that's in fiberglass boats out there, if not more than half of the competition. So that's some of the key reasons that you see um, as far as, you know, reasons going from fiberglass these guys are doing into, um, you know, aluminum rigs. Um, you know, nowadays, like I mentioned, you get all the amenities of fiberglass out of a less expensive price-pointed boat. No matter which way you look at it, guys, as, as crazy as the pricing has got on everything in general, but especially in the marine industry, you look at boats now, fiberglass rigs are running 80, 90, 100,000. I've sold several that are over 100,000 with the electronics, the trolling motors, the power poles, everything that you're putting on them nowadays. You still, even though it's not, I don't want to say inexpensive because they are expensive, but you could still take an aluminum hull, whether it's a Ranger, a Triton, uh, a Lund, an Express, whatever the brand is, G3, it could be any of the brands. And you could outfit it with all that electronics, all the power poles, everything, and you still at a fraction of the price of what the fiberglass boats are running in most cases. Um, and I say in most cases because... Let's be honest, you could build these boats to be as expensive as you want if you want to, you know, custom outfit everything on it. I have seen it happen and I've, I've done it with customers personally. I can tell you firsthand experience that it could happen. So, you know, it can be an, an expensive process in an aluminum boat, but it's still not what fiberglass is costing, you know, if you outfit it with the same equipment in most cases. So, so cost, that's a big thing, you know. Um, like I mentioned, the blue collar guy like myself, you know, somebody that's a weekend angler or fishes local tournaments and, and maybe he's in a tournament fishing, but he fishes all local stuff, you know, and he wants to outfit his boat very nicely, put it, you know, to where it's very well equipped. Then he could purchase an aluminum boat and outfit the hell out of it. You know, have all the, all the technology and all Trexes, the, you know, the, the pan optics, it can have all that stuff power poles, you know, and, and and still do it at somewhat of an affordable rate compared to if he purchased a, you know, top of the line Phoenix bass boat that's completely rigged out or a Ranger Z series that's completely rigged out or a Skeeter FX series that's completely rigged out. Because if he goes with a fiberglass line and rigs it out like that, he's going to be at probably a hundred thousand dollars. To where with an aluminum boat, he could rig it out completely and he might be at $60,000. Well, we're looking at $40,000 difference 
and you get all the same equipment to do the same style of fishing, then that gets pretty goddamn attractive very quickly for for the average person, especially that's working a plant job or working a uh, you know a nine to five job or whatever it may be. It's much more affordable for them. So it's very very enticing for a guy to look at aluminum now. You know it really is. Even the guys that have been long term fiberglass customers, it is very enticing for them as well because what I do see, especially over time, is you, you go through trends, you know? We all tend to start out small, John boat fishing, and then if you continue fishing throughout the years, you kind of improve on your boat, you improve, you might eventually get into fiberglass, then you go a bigger fiberglass boat, and then as you get older, I see the trend is you kind of start going in reverse of that process. So you start downsizing, you might go to, back to a smaller fiberglass boat. Then once you're done with that and you feel that's too much to handle or you don't want to mess with it, clean and keep the maintenance up, you go into a, you know, a larger aluminum boat. And then after a while, you may downsize to a little bit 17, 18 foot aluminum boat. So what's crazy is it's a trend. It's a common trend. I see it. I've been in this industry for a long time and I see this happen. You know, So I see guys coming out of fiberglass boats, which is my point that they start downsizing and they want to go back to aluminum that are coming out of fiberglass because it's less maintenance. It's easier for them to handle. They can tow it easier. They burn less gas. Um, you know, there's a lot of advantages to it. So that's another big reason you're seeing a big spike in the aluminum side of things with these high-performance aluminum hulls nowadays. So all that you know, um, and, and like I mentioned, at the end of the day, it provides access to bodies of water, um, you know, that fiberglass just can't go. So that's also very, very attractive. Because look, at the end of the day, as fishermen, we're all, we all bullshit each other. Um, you know, we've all lied about the, you know, the size of the fish we've caught. We've lied about this and that. And I call it white lies. It's all, it's all in fun. But, you know, you, you want to talk to to the biggest liars, you talk to a hunter and you talk to a fisherman. In most cases, they're going to, the fishermen are going to be the biggest bullshitters out there on the market. We've all been guilty of it, you know? So, you know, other, other benefits of going to aluminum, aluminum offers lightweight towing. That's something I mentioned briefly, but you know, just from, you know, a cost efficient standpoint, the um, aluminum's quite a bit lighter. You cut the weight of a fiberglass boat in half when you have an aluminum rig and it helps with gas because it's usually smaller fuel capacities in the aluminum boat. It's lighter weight. So it helps with the towing fuel. Um, so it's less expensive when it comes to that as well. Um, now big improvements that they made over the years that are helping aluminum boats out today too. Today's models now offer true dry storage and a lot of it. So what I mean by that is that, you know, traditionally when we talked about those old bass trackers and those old original aluminum well expresses and the other brands that were out there in the beginning, they didn't have the storage capacity that these fiberglass boats have today. Now you got high performance hulls. Uh, you know, coinciding with, you know, storage in the boat, large decks, you know, on the front and rear, they have casting decks that are huge in these aluminum boats now. So you could get a true tournament fisherman like Bill Lowen, who might carry 18 or 20 rods on the front deck of his, his boat with him during a tournament day. And he, he has room to put all of that equipment now, you know, um, to where years ago, you didn't have that, that, that opportunity and that availability to do that. Um, you know, I mentioned, you know, cost, that's a big thing. Aluminum is less expensive, you know, for all fishermen from price point of the boat, uh, to the fuel and the operating and towing. But 
that's a key factor that I cannot stress enough, guys, that I think a lot of these guys are making changes from fiberglass to aluminum. At the end of the day, a lot of times it boils down to cost. So even though these boats are nicer, they're better, you know, equipped than they used to be with storage and all that type of stuff. At the end of the day, you know, they want all that stuff, but it has to be priced right. And it is more affordable to do it in an aluminum boat nowadays than it is in a fiberglass hull. So the key factor out of all of it, I think is a lot, you know, it always boils down to price people say, and I think that's a big, big decision for a lot of people when they're looking for a boat and they're trying to choose between fiberglass and aluminum. So, um, you know, I did mention also a lot of anglers feel that they could compete with larger fiberglass boats nowadays, uh, when they're in an aluminum boat and might even have an advantage. So I, you know, I did talk about that. Um, I think a lot of guys are making the switch because when they're tournament fishing or they're fishing for fun, even, you know, they feel that if they're in an aluminum boat, hey, now I don't have to sacrifice speed. I don't have to sacrifice comfort. I don't have to sacrifice dry storage. I don't have to sacrifice, <coughs> excuse me, a live well that'll actually keep my, my fish alive. I could get all that out of an aluminum setup. And I don't have to spend the price tag of a fiberglass boat or I don't have to maintain fiberglass boat, wipe it down every time I pull it out of the water. I don't have to wipe that scum line off of it. Or, hey, nowadays with the interiors they're building it with sea deck and vinyl and all these materials inside these aluminum boats, now it's so much easier maintenance-wise. It's much easier, less maintenance, to you know, and it's much easier to keep it up. You could spray, literally spray out the interior of the boat, which is very, very nice and appealing to a lot of people. Because at the end of the day, when they come back from fishing, they don't want to have to start waxing and buffing and wiping down a fiberglass hole. You know, I can imagine it's probably a lot of the same for these tournament guys. These guys have practiced all week. They get to these tournaments. They fish all day long. They get off the water. They go to a weigh-in. And after the weigh-in, these guys are exhausted. They have to get back. They have to tie on tackle. They have to do it the next day all the same again. I can imagine that these guys in aluminum boats such as Jason Christie and, and Bill Lowe and, and all the other guys that are using aluminum right now, Caleb Summerall here in Louisiana is an express pro this year that's on the Bassmaster Elite Series. They have to spend less time you know, on, on wiping down the boats and all that type of stuff, which is just a small piece of the puzzle, but it's something at the end of the day, it makes their time more efficient. It's, it's something that they could get done, move on to something else, or maybe even get some rest and uh, and prepare for the next day. So that plays a factor. Maintenance plays a big factor in it. So as you can see, guys, there's a lot of stuff that is appealing nowadays for guys to come out of the fiberglass market into the aluminum market. This is the future, in my opinion, of what's going to happen. I think you know, and, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I, you know, I'm, I'm in the industry. So I see some of the trends. I see the way it's kind of headed. And I, and I, right now, like I mentioned, aluminum pro anglers, if you look at it, they're the minority, but it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds for all, for, you know, for the sport, whether it's professional or whether it's, you know, the local level, us, you know, blue collar guys fishing tournaments locally, or the average guy who's not even a tournament fisherman, you know, um, you know, with the inflation that we are currently experiencing, um, will it drive more anglers to 10 rigs? In my opinion, it has for years, you know, I think it, it definitely has been that way for years. Most average, you know, common folk, fishermen, outdoorsmen, whatever you want to call it, like myself, 
um, have been attracted to aluminum for years, you know, because it is more cost efficient. We mentioned that. Um, have, have those guys always wanted a fiberglass rig? Probably so. If they love to fish, especially bass fishing, you know, stuff like that. A lot of guys dream of having that big fiberglass rig someday in their, in their career, you know, but it hasn't been affordable or it may not ever be obtainable for them to be able to go out and do that. So I think price point has always driven the market as far as most anglers making a choice between fiberglass and aluminum. Um, so that's nothing new. But with the prices going up like they are in all materials right now, in the boating industry, everything outdoors, everything home-related, just inflation in general, um, I definitely think it's going to make a difference and it's going to push a lot of those guys who have been fiberglass boat customers for years. Maybe they're going to start trending more towards the aluminum line. I, I definitely think that's you're going to see that happen. That's going to be a big part of it. Um but then you have to start asking yourself, you know, nowadays we have 21-foot aluminum boats. You know, Express is out there with a 21-foot. Lund's out there with, an, uh, you know, a 21-foot. Uh, you know, who else is going to go that route? I think that's going to be very, very something that's going to be very interesting to see. But I, you have to kind of ask yourself, you know, when you're at 21 feet, you're able to put a 250 horsepower outboard on the back of that 21-foot boat. What more can aluminum boat builders do that's going to drive customers to aluminum over fiberglass? That's an interesting question that I have, you know, because they're already super nice right now. You know, you have all the amenities, you have the electronics, they accept the electronics, you know, they accept the trolling motors, pretty much all the equipment that you could put on fiberglass can now be put into your aluminum boats. Uh, you know, electronics, for instance, even though you can't necessarily flush mount them, into an aluminum boat or some of the models of aluminum boats, which most of them now are building them to where you can accept the larger electronics. You know, even if they can't, they still have options like Ram mounts and, you know, the the uh, Kong mounts and, you know, all these Decket mounts, all these different, different companies are making after-party equipment or, you know, third-party equipment, uh, aftermarket equipment. That's what I'm trying to say that are available to be able to mount big units off to the side of the dash or, you know, um, you know, just little things. You're able to rig it out like you could a fiberglass boat, even though the, the design of the boat is not necessarily custom fit for those electronics or whatever the, the add-ons may be. So that's something, you know, what more can these aluminum companies do? Because, guys, they're not going to go bigger than 21 foot probably. You know, 21 foot, they may have a 22 foot that comes out um, that's rated for a 300. But if you're a tournament angler, as of right now, as it stands in most tournaments that are national tournaments, you cannot have anything over a 250 horsepower outboard. So, you know, the Elite Series, the, uh, you know, FLW, or what used to be called the FLW, that's now owned by MLF. MLF itself, its circuit. You, you know, unless there's rule changes to go bigger and more horsepower in the future, which I do not believe there will be, um, you're going to definitely see these these companies tap out at 21 feet, 22 feet, rated for a 250. So what, where can they go to grow their customer base in the market is my question. And that's something that's going to be very interesting to see. So I personally believe, guys, as we close up here on this week's show, this is this is where I see it. And I personally believe this. I believe in the next five to seven years, 
pretty much all of your aluminum manufacturers are going to be building 21 foot boats uh, because right now, like I mentioned, Express is, Lund is, there's maybe a couple of other brands out there that are building a 21 foot boat, but the majority of them are still stuck in that 18 or I'm sorry, 17 to 18 foot range. Your Ranger, uh, Trident got discontinued on aluminum this year, so they're taken out of the equation. Uh, G3, um, Crestliner's making a bigger boat. They're making a 20-foot, but I don't know if Low is, which is their sister company. Um, you know, Phoenix, companies that are predominantly, that's a good point I want to bring up. Companies that are predominantly fiberglass right now. Phoenix, uh, Camus, which is a newcomer to the industry. Skeeter has been the first bass boat fiberglass company, the pioneer, the OG of fiberglass. Skeeter. Um, you, in my opinion, Basscat, that's another one, and I'm thinking as I'm trying to talk, but all these companies that are predominantly fiberglass and have been fiberglass for many, many years, guys, I believe in the next five to seven years, you're going to see them release aluminum lines of boats. And some of you may be saying, oh, you crazy. There's no goddamn way. I know they won't do it. You know, I know Skeeter won't do it. Or I know Basscat won't do it. Well, guys, I think I think they will. I really do think they will. I think you're going to see these companies see that there's a trend going on. Um, you know, prices are going up so much. There's going to be a ceiling at some point on fiberglass that you just, you know, guys cannot afford it. And those numbers are starting to trend down, which they are now in the market. You see it already happening. Um, you know, there's not as many fiberglass bass boats being sold as there were, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. There's just not, you know. Um, I think with the pandemic and people losing jobs or, or not necessarily losing jobs, but kind of afraid to lose jobs or adjusting their their spending, they might not splurge for those fiberglass boats like Phoenix is making or Skeeter's making or Bass Cat's making, there's going to be a want for an aluminum line that's affordable that they can afford. Um, you know, and companies are not going to, you know, go without noticing that. They're probably already seeing it. I know they are because they do their research. These companies are not stupid. They do their research. And what they know is that Customers and consumers are extremely brand loyal. So what I mean by that is a guy who's bought a Ranger or a guy who's bought a Bass Cat or a Skeeter, if he could downsize or maybe go into an affordable aluminum hull that's offered by that particular brand, then chances are he might come out of that fiberglass boat and he may go to an aluminum Skeeter or an aluminum Bass Cat or an aluminum Ranger that's 21 foot or whatever it may be, whatever brand it may be, you're, that's how it is. Consumers are extremely brand loyal a lot of times. And these companies that aren't making aluminum boats and aluminum boats continue to rise and continue to expand and get bigger and more horsepower and, and they don't have a, a, you know, you see aluminum companies like Ranger getting bigger. That's what I mean by that. And by some of these companies that are only making 17 and 18 foots, when they see them starting to get bigger and tap out at 21 feet with, you know, 200, 250 horsepower, and they're gaining sales from that. And they're, these companies that are only making fiberglass are missing out on that. That's not going to happen. And it's not going to sit well with them. And they're going to have to adjust to it, guys. So, you know, it's going to be really interesting. Like I said, I think this this aluminum thing is is very interesting. It's something to watch. 
I'm not surprised at all that guys like Bill Lowe and Jason Christie and some of the other guys we talked about on the show are winning out of aluminum bass boats. I think it's only going to continue to grow. You're going to see a lot of guys that you know very well, in my opinion, that have been longtime fiberglass you know, pros. Um, they're going to continue to make a switch from fiberglass over to aluminum. You're going to see them signing up with new companies. Um, you know, because their brands that they have been with for years might not offer an aluminum boat just yet, but I definitely think that it's, it's all going to come together and you're going to see a lot more aluminum options in the market than you see even now, right now, as we sit here in 2021. So it's going to be, it's going to be a really fun time in the industry. I think it's going to create a lot of good competition, which is always good for us, the consumer, when they have competition. Because, you know, when there's always one player in the market that offers something that's really popular, they tend to get top dollar. They tend to get the, uh, you know, asking price for what it is. So the more competition in the market is going to do us and benefit us all as anglers, in my opinion. I think it's going to create good competition and it's going to make it uh, competitive to see who could come out with the better technology um, and also offer the better pricing on it. So it's, it's going to be fun, guys. But Look, what do you guys think about it? You know, I'm interested to know what you guys think. Am I off my rocker by by thinking this? Is it something that I'm looking into too much? Uh, you know, it's just something that you think is going to come and go. I really don't. I mentioned that and I told you guys that. I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's only going to grow bigger. Um, and, you know, I just, I feel that way. I, I, wholeheartedly, I feel that way. So, uh, but yeah, I'd like to hear you guys' comments on it. Let us know. Hit us up once we post this episode. Uh, leave leave a message in the comments on our social media when we post it to social media. Um, and for all those of you who stumbled upon us for the first time, like I said, thank you for tuning in. If you stuck with us to the end, thank you very much for sticking with us to the end of this week's show. Um, and we invite you to go to our social media pages. We're on Facebook. Uh, we have our YouTube channel at Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors. If you search us on there, it'll take you directly to our YouTube channel. Give us a, a like and a subscribe on YouTube. We really appreciate it. And guys, those of you who listen on a regular basis, if you're listening on Apple Podcast, I, I would like to ask you guys to maybe leave us a quick review on Apple Podcast because that is one place on Apple Podcast that really gets us more listens, more attention to the podcast. Uh, when you leave a review, it bumps us up in the uh, algorithms that Apple uses for their podcast in their specific categories, and it'll get us noticed by more people. So even though you guys have been great by word of mouth and hearing us and following us on social media, leaving us a quick review on Apple Podcasts on our podcast episodes uh, really boosts us in the market and helps us get our name and our podcast out there guys. So, you know, we always talk about it as we close this week's show, we talk about our great companies that support us and sponsor, help sponsor us. And we cannot do it without those companies. We invite you guys to check out companies like Cajun Tackle House, Chris Thornton down in Morgan city, Louisiana, uh, Benoit performance Bates, Blake Benoit, great guy, good friend of ours here on the show. Uh, check Blake Benoit out at Benoit Performance Bates on his on his Facebook page, and Blake is up and running now on uh, on uh, TikTok. So you guys go check him out on TikTok. Great guy, great products. Uh, that's Blake Benoit over at Benoit Performance Bates, 
And right now, we're in full swing of turkey season, guys. If you're looking for a custom-built turkey call that sounds great, go check out Patrick Erkfitz at Beaver Creek Game Calls. Patrick's a good friend of ours here on the show. He custom-builds not only phenomenal duck calls for us during duck season, but he can also build you a custom turkey call for those of you in a turkey hunting. Um, you will not be disappointed. Let them know you heard about us here on the show. Um, and if you're looking to get your, your weapon, your firearm ready for hunting season, you want to give it a different look, don't forget our boy Romeo Mamalo over at Wrap It Up Cajun Customs, guys. Romeo can custom vinyl wrap your favorite firearm, whether it's a shotgun, a rifle, a personal protection handgun, an AR, any of that stuff, self-defense, home defense. He can wrap it in your favorite camo pattern. He can wrap it in your uh, favorite American flag colors, you know, your patterns, uh, or pretty much anything that you could come up with that he could vinyl wrap it in. It's going to protect your firearm. It's going to last for many, many years. It's just as good as hydro dipping, and it's a fraction of the cost of what it costs to hydro dip a weapon, guys. So check them out. That's Romeo Mamalo over at Wrap It Up Cajun Customs on their Facebook page. Also, let them all know if you visit them that you heard about us here, uh, heard about them here on our Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast. Well, guys, that's all we got this week for everybody. We hope you t- you enjoyed the show. We enjoy spending time with you as always. And we will continue to bring you guys uh, up to the moment, you know, or up to date content on the fishing reports as we go through the summertime. And if there's any topics or questions you guys have for us, feel free to reach out on our social media pages. You can get us there anytime. Just shoot us a, a DM. We'll answer it and we'll get back to you guys. If you leave a comment on YouTube, we'll get back to you there as well. So that's it, guys. That's all we got for this week. So we hope y'all make it to the weekend happily. I know we got a lot of rain, but hopefully you can go out there. You have a fishing spot that might not be affected too much by all the rain. Get out there and go catch some fish. Go kill some turkeys. And let's get in the outdoors and share our experiences next week, guys. This is Jacob with Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors signing off. Y'all have a good week.